Hello, welcome back to another episode of Amory. I am giving our patrons a shout out, which I frequently forget, but patrons, hello, we love you. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, I'm forever grateful for that support. And I'm, I, I start the episode every time the same way. It's always like, I'm so excited to introduce this guest, but in all honesty, that is very true <laughs> now and in previous episodes. So this guest is um, one of the original members of the self-love journey. So Jackie participated, God, a handful of years ago, and now she is joining us to share some of her valuable wisdom gained through the process of adding both of her partners as legal um, le legal on the birth certificate. I don't even know how to describe this, but hold on, Jackie, proper introduction. You live in Los Angeles. Your name is Jackie Titus. You are a piano, violin, and voice teacher. Um, I'm going to add very successful at that. So I'm super happy to have you join us today and share your incredible voyage of not, not only your personal experience practicing polyamory, but also becoming a mother and birthing your child into this system that we are in that is normally just to humans on the birth certificate. And you've gone through the process and I think are a trailblazer for opening up and saying, I actually have two partners that I love and I want both of them on the birth certificate. So we are gonna get into the nitty gritty. We're gonna get into it all, but I just wanna welcome you first and ask you, how are you feeling uh, being on Amory right now? Oh my gosh, thank you for all that. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I was telling you that I was kind of feeling, uh, I feel a sense of sort of imposter syndrome because it's wild. A, a number of years ago, when you started Amory, you were one of the biggest resources in my voyage to just starting to understand what this world of polyamory is and just starting to kind of tap into the vein of learning about it, I would say, and learning about myself and finding kind of like a safety about myself. So I think there's just a lot of like feelings wrapped around that, that it's been, you know, this years of, um, of processing that and kind of being and following your Amory journey and just like watching this community thrive and grow. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm feeling just overwhelmed with joy. Honestly, this is super <laughs> cool. Yeah. And to really acknowledge that you have, you are blazing a trail and there are probably a lot of other people interested in what it is that you have done over the last year. So your, your son is 19 months old, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you started this process a while back, but why don't you give us just a little summary, if we can call it that, of your voyage into polyamory, your, where you have been um, and where you are now with your partners. For sure. Yeah. So um, I have shining moments in my polyamory journey and some very not so great moments. I think as many of us do, that are just, oh, they're messy and they're gritty, but it's, you know, it's the intentions always were to like, okay, let's work through the next steps. So um, I guess it would probably be around 2016 that I even heard the word polyamory at all. Um, and I had kind of attempted to 
get in a relationship with people who were not at all interested in that structure. They're like, oh, I guess you're this way. So it just, it crashed and burned. And then I was like, okay, well then maybe this isn't my identity. Maybe there's just something completely wrong with me. Right. Um, and then, um, as I got into my current relationship, very messy start as well. But, um, we finally solidified that we are in a, I would say you call it a V triad. So um, both of my partners are currently monogamous, but that's always, as we constantly are talking about agreements and structures, that's always, you know, subject to change. Um, and um, yeah, they're both partners with me. We all live in the same home with our child and we all have um, equal joint custody of our child. So that's kind of, kind of where we're at. Wow. And so for the people that aren't familiar, a V format is the fact that you are connected to both of them and they do not have a romantic relationship. So you Correct. are kind of the hinge of that V. Yes. Um, yeah. I know that there's so much terminology with there polyamory is. and this whole thing, <laughs> but just yeah. to fully understand that. So you mm -hmm. are the one that has a polyamorous identity and they have mm -hmm. more of a monogamous identity. Um, how has that been navigating? Oh, man. I think... At first, there was just so much guilt on my end, I think, especially just because it had started as a, you know, monogamous relationship with one of my partners. And then the opening up process was not as it should have been. I violated agreements. I was not in the rights. And that led to a lot of trauma and things that had to be worked through in that regard. Um, but over time, you know, we kept having conversations, therapy, hugely beneficial. If you find therapists that are actually supportive of these structures and like understanding so beneficial. So that was really, really helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's, you know, and also navigating the relationship between them at first, because I had that sense of guilt. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys should get together. Like, let's make this like a whole, like all of us like together thing. And that was totally just not, you know, it, it turned into a thing of, okay, well they're, they were doing it to just kind of appease me. And it actually ended up not, you know, and I was doing it to appease me and nobody was actually being organic with who they are. <laughs> So over time, it was just kind of like, okay, I need to get over this guilt about mm -hmm. just being who I am. Um, I need to let myself be myself and let them be themselves. Yes. <laughs> and, um, it sounds so simple. Your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know. And that's where your self-love journey was so instrumental for me was that it really was because I just learning to accept this identity of myself right? Mm -hmm. That this is, I need to love myself. And then they, whatever their choices are, those are their choices. And I can yeah. continue to love them, but like, I need to love me. And so well, you, you know how much I relate, you know, we share yes, that. It's so funny that it can you. look really different, but I totally understand that feeling of, I want my two partners to get along. And I don't know if you've said that. Does it matter the gender of your partners? Or I don't know if we've said that or you feel comfortable oh, sharing I didn't, that. I didn't gender them. But um, one identifies as a um, cis heterosexual male. And then one of them identifies as a cis uh, homosexual female. So uh -huh. those are my partners. 
Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's funny because it's not important in the generalities of things, but I think in that your mention of you wanted them to connect in a certain way. Yeah. It, and yeah. I know that too, because I wanted both Marty and Kyle to like get along and have this incredible friendship. Mm-hmm. And I know I put pressure mm-hmm. on myself also for me to be like best friends with Marty's partner. And mm-hmm. it took a while to release that, to say, you know, that's actually not our, our organic fit. And how do we create the space for the way that the relationships can organically grow? And that, that takes releasing our expectations. So that's the part that I so relate to you on and releasing yeah. that guilt and trusting. Like if I'm just myself and I allow myself to be who I am and I release trying to control anyone else to try to make this good or get along, it takes a yeah. lot of faith. So I hear you yeah. on it not being an easy route. And then here you are, right? And you live together currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it, that was, that was quite a journey as well, because, you know, we did, I was living um, kind of like on a schedule. So I would split time. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, you're going to hear some airplanes. I live near airplanes. So. <laughs> I have construction uh, going on in the background as well. So I think between the both of us would just... You know, yeah, just people are every, gracious. You know, all, all the different sounds <laughs> of the world. It's fine. It's all happening. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I split time between the partners, um, almost 50-50 living with them separately, in very different living situations. Mm-hmm. And then um, we, with the pregnancy, decided to kind of merge our households. And that was the whole journey. So it kind of all happened at once. <laughs> wow. How was that realizing that you were pregnant? Was that something you were expecting? How did you take that news? How did both of your partners take that news? And how in the world did you start to navigate that conversation? Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, we had had you know, and again, this was kind of inspired a lot by just me digging into what people in the polyamorous community were doing, like including, you know, people in Amory and just things like that. But, um, I was like, we really, this is important to my uh, male partner and I, um, that we really, really want to have kids. And that was something that we really shared. Um, and that was, you know, a strong, strong thing coming in, in that relationship. And at first that was, very, as far as I understood it, very overwhelming, um, for my female partner. Um, so we had a, what I understood as, you know, everyone at the same time had this consensual conversation. We discussed a lot of these, I did some research and I was like, we discussed all these categories. Okay. Like, you know, how do we want to go about, you know, the birth and costs and, you know, we really sat down and I like was writing and it was all, you know, really like agreements. Um, but it's, you know, that you can have all the best intentions about, and, you know, but if somebody is struggling with a sense of like loss of power, sometimes those, those conversations are not going to be, you know, a hundred percent, effective, right? Oh my God, so yeah. I think because our brain gets on board, you know, like my brain yeah. says, I'm good with this. Yeah. This all makes sense. But we forget we have an emotional body that have feelings yes. that sometimes are not in alignment. And so they can be very much yeah. the opposite of, of how we want to think and feel. But then it, mm-hmm. it's what I hear is making room for that is extremely important in this process. Yeah. And so I think moving forward, 
with, you know, it, it just kind of in suggestions for other folks, um, because it, it ended up being very messy when the actual pregnancy came into existence, even though we had this, you know, multiple conversations and like very structured, you don't really know how it's going to hit you emotionally when mm-hmm. that event happens, because mm-hmm. you've never like you've never been through it. You know, you don't know what it feels like for someone that you love to be pregnant and to not be involved physically in that process. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, so there's a lot of layers. And so at first I was like, so shocked that my partner had the feelings that she had, you know, but then as I kept thinking about it, like, oh my gosh, of course, of course, you know? So I think the biggest thing is you can go in with all these agreements, but being aware that there's always going to be a need to like constantly readdress Mm. those agreements. And there's going to constantly be a need to readdress, you know, kind of the nature of power in your relationship, um, how that impacts the ebb and flow of emotions and choices made within the family structure. So that's been so surprising and just such a learning curve, but I'm, I'm actually really grateful for it. So yeah. Oh my gosh. And we're just getting the tip of the iceberg here. Like yeah. how the whole process probably unfolded. At what point was it clear that both either you, was it you that you determined you wanted both partners on the birth certificate? Was it led by these conversations? Was that part of what you were it, talking about? The power it's like in our mm-hmm. litigious system right now with only mm-hmm. two people on a birth certificate that literally would leave a partner entirely out of the legal system in the care of that human being. So, yeah. 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 I'm- so it was, um, it was brought up in these conversations before the, before the pregnancy even occurred, which is really, was really great. And I, you know, being my, you know, I would say typical, I'm, I'm privileged in the sense, you know, I walk around the world as, you know, pretty heteronormative passing white woman. Right. So there's a lot of things I walk through the world with a sense of, of privilege and I, I do my best to inform myself, but you don't know the experience of somebody who's marginalized until you really are, you know, in it and close with that person. And so I think my partner being, you know, a heterosexual woman and having a lot of trauma with that, um, and a lot of marginalization with that experience. Um, I didn't think, Oh, like what, what, why would we need to do legal stuff? (laughs) It just wasn't in my mind. And then for her, that was a very important thing. And as we kept having those conversations, like, huh, okay. Legal stuff. Okay. (laughs) And so that's, um, that's where our journey kind of began was those conversations before the pregnancy. Um, and then after the pregnancy was determined to be really viable, then those conversations started to solidify, okay, like, what are we going to do about this? So, yeah. Mm. And just, I think you were describing that very fast. And I think you said heterosexual partner, but homosexual partner, female partner, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. That was just, it it happened really fast, but I would like, just want to make sure people are following along. Yeah. As a marginalized group. Right. So her experience in that and being homosexual and like what, but what legalities does that leave me as your partner and her, I'm going to say assumed interest in like both of your partners wanting to be a part of the process of raising this child, which is incredible. Like, I mean, how can, can we look at the fact that 
a child having multiple adult figures who love them in the world, like mm-hmm. how special that is and how to make room for it and, and to acknowledge that in our legal system. And yeah. again, I point out your trailblazer because I don't know of many other people that have followed the same path. So mm-hmm. I just like, um, I think before this episode, I shared um, with Dr. Heath Scheisinger, he was talking about a lot of the laws that his groups are working mm-hmm. on to have more rights in hospitals and just legal rights of people that are not in a nuclear family type structure. And we're going to need more of this going forward and especially in the parental realm. So when that became evident that you were going to request both of them on the birth certificate, Mm -hmm. how did you start that process? Yeah. So I think I want to rewind just a little bit because you mentioned hospitals and, um, (laughs) and that, so as part of our discussions, you know, there was a lot of concern about how are we going to do this where both of my partners have equal participation um, in the birth and that there won't be any of these awkward, like legal hospital-y type of cold interactions. Um, so we chose to go the route of um, having midwives and giving birth in a birth center. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that was really, really instrumental in when we did start to pursue um, legal custody. It ended up becoming very apparent that you need some form of evidence that all parents have the right to be considered. And I had no idea, but I was really glad that we had done it that way. So, but so when we did end up going to pursue um, legal representation, right? So at the time, it's, I, you know, I didn't know about a lot of these things that were introduced um, by Dr. Sheshinger at in your last podcast. So I was just, you know, madly like Googling away and just kind of like, what the heck can I do, you know, to find legal representation with a person who knows anything about this. Um, And, you know, most of the resources that I found for polyamorous families were located on the East Coast and I'm in the West Coast. So I I just kind of realized that it was, I I need to, I don't know what to do. (laughs) So I went and I um, Googled a number of LGBTQ plus friendly law groups and I started, you know, messaging them and saying, hey, I'm interested in um, pursuing legal custody of my unborn child um, with multiple partners. Do you have any way of helping me with that? And then they ended up referring me to a you know private law practice where this person had apparently had experience with that. Nice. So yeah, and then we had the call and kind of I was informed about the routes that we could take. And this was at about six months of my pregnancy maybe a little earlier. Yeah. So you started early to be conscious of yeah. these things. And mm-hmm. I know in a private conversation before this podcast, you were saying mm-hmm. if I hadn't started that early, it would have been mm-hmm. very difficult to do this process. Yes. So your mm-hmm. foresight yes. on it was huge. Mm-hmm. Well, having those conversations, I think long prior for sure. Um, and knowing that that's what we wanted to move forward with, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's anything legal is a long time. And in our minds, we were like, okay, we're doing this before the baby's born. Oh, it's going to be done by the time he's born. No big. Yeah. It's, we got this in the bag. Oh no. Oh no. No. 
tell me more about the reality of that. How long have the reality taken? of the legal system? Yeah, it's insane. So, um, yeah, so we started that process. We had to gather a lot of kind of documentation about our participation in our unborn child's life. So that included, what um, What would that be? Yeah. So we had to get it. We got a letter from one of our midwives. Um, We all attended every single um, appointment, every single appointment for Mm. me for for the pregnancy together. Um, Unless there was like a really severe conflict, but pretty much every single appointment. um, Yeah. Yeah, we both did education. I mean, all all three of us did education um, for, you know, birth education and just kind of we did, you know, CPR class we did. And then we had a baby shower for all of us. It wasn't just for me. Um, so it was all of us, the baby shower. So all of those things were gathered as part of our legal argument that we wow. had rights for our, our, our child. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Any... I'm just curious if there's any commentary about doing all of those things together. You know, what did it bring up? Did it like even the shower for all three of you? That's incredible oh and gosh, beautiful yeah. and novel. That and was wild. <laughs> I'm so interested too about parental involvement and yeah. like your parents, their parents, friends and family yeah. considerations. Like you're not, you weren't going through this in a bubble. You know, what, what was it like to have people around you watch you go through this process? And your feelings around that? Oof, I don't know. Is that too much? No, no, no. Oh my gosh! Let's let's dig let's dig into it. It, w- it was wild. I mean, as I said, there was just insane amount of stuff happening at once. So I was not out as polyamorous at all wow. until the pregnancy. To my really well, to my friends, but okay. not not to my parents or their parents. So um, yeah. So we. It, it, <laughs> So it just came to light and, and I, I kind of felt bad. And, and actually my, my dad didn't know that I was bisexual either. So he didn't oh know God. I was in a person like woman, didn't know I was bisexual and didn't know I was polyamorous and Hey, I'm pregnant. Pregnant. <laughs> so, you know, would I invite, I mean, but you know what, I'm never going to tell anyone about how to go about their coming out story mm-hmm. because you don't, you don't know until you're in it and when it's right. And that's, you know, and thank God or thank whomever you, you know, ascribe to, um, that my, my parents and, um, my partner, only one of my partner, um, partners has parents involved. Um, but, um, yeah, my other partner's parents ended up being on board and being just incredibly, you know, it loving towards my son, mm-hmm. um, but really, and, you know, processing their struggles with the whole thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's never easy, especially if you come from a religious background, like I do. Um, oh. oh, that's so another there was, layer, Jackie. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. There was, there was a lot of, of that um, coming in at first. Like when I, with, with my mom, when I came out as bisexual, that was about a year of not talking. So at least my mom had time to process that layer. Okay. Um, but yeah, my, my dad, uh, really, I mean, it, but he didn't, he, he, he only took a short while and it ended up, he ended up coming around. So everyone's involved and everyone accepts the relationship 
mm-hmm. to the point that they feel comfortable, even if they don't agree with it. Right. Yeah. You know? That's, I mean, I would I say, really cool. yeah, having a grandchild is a pretty good motivation to move through that. I mean, yeah. if, and it's their only one. So, yeah. <laughs> So that's a good motivation to kind of process some of this. Um, yeah. How is it from your side going about those conversations, mm-hmm. um, making room for your own emotions that were coming up around all of this? Because you yeah. were going through this experience, being pregnant, mm-hmm. and then also holding space for family members that you're telling. Yeah. What was that? What was your personal experience of that? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really, really scary. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really scary because especially knowing what the background that I come from. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of trauma that comes from just being raised in a way that's, you know, being gay is completely bad and, you know, all, all of those, those layers. Um, but then compounded by dealing with my own guilt about feeling like I was bad for being polyamorous, you know, and I, you know, so it's kind of like those things come up as part of your, your trauma with, you know, and it just, it, it compounds in layers. So I think getting to the point with myself that, you know, accepting that if they chose to walk away, I, I would be okay. And that I wasn't bad and I wasn't wrong, you know, and that's, that's a hard point to get to. Um, but yeah, that's it. Mostly that was mostly it just kind of a lot of, a lot of layers of things coming up from my childhood, but just, you know, ultimately being at a place, I think where I, I was, I was ready to, accept whatever happened. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that safety in yourself mm-hmm. really kind of I mean, talk about self-love, situation. right? Understanding yourself and accepting yourself for yeah. who you are and putting it out there as me being me and owning who I am mm-hmm. and sharing yeah. that information might I might lose relationships that are close to me. And okay. I accept that. Did you feel a sense of relief even getting yourself to that point before you said anything? Yes, I really did. It, it, yeah, the, it was just, especially since it had been so long, especially with my dad of me hiding so much of my identity. It was just this whole big chunk of what I, I mean, just, and constantly kind of feeling like in conversations, like I was lying, you know? Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's tough and to not, be out with people Mm -hmm. that you love. It's really, really hard because it's, you know, this is, it's such a big part of who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my identity and, um, I want to be loved for who I am. Right. And so it's, you want in relationship, you want to feel that sense of trust. And so I think I was just happy to finally not have to be hiding so much of myself, you know, and regardless of, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting true. having met you a couple of years ago. And I know that that was a part of the conversation when you were in yeah. the self-love journey and to see you now at yes. this point and seeing, mm-hmm. I yeah. always think of whatever we encounter in life, there are all these beautiful opportunities for growth and some mm-hmm. are harder than others. And I see you becoming a mother and like sharing this information as your rite of passage really to, to yeah. that, like a higher self-love, like a higher relationship with yourself. So it's really, it's really beautiful. 
So thank you for sharing Thanks. that emotional bit. Like you've gone through, yeah. I think part of this process is so emotional and then part of this is so logistical. Yeah. So to pop people back into the logistical conversation, yeah. what yeah. if people are interested? You last left off saying you reached out to an LGBTQ plus like attorney and then you ended up finding one that had some experience. So it's not the first time mm-hmm. this has been done, but what was mm-hmm. that process like? And if people are in a similar situation, I mean, I, I can take in the show notes, I can leave resources and everything, but like mm-hmm. what might be the next steps? Sure. So um, the conversation that I initially had was that the options available to us were to pursue something called a parentage agreement, um, which is usually the most advised, this lawyer advised that this is the more cost effective (laughs) and um, the simpler route um, to go if, especially if you're pursuing um, joint custody before the birth of a child. Mm. The second option would to be go, go about an adoption route, which Mm -hmm. in general adoption is expensive Mm -hmm. and um, it it would require home inspections. I was told it would just Mm -hmm. be this whole thing. And um, I think that you know, obviously I'm not the lawyer, so don't quote me on this, but as far as I understood, that would be the route to go if later on, if it was like a later and living, like born child, Mm -hmm. then you'd maybe want to consider that route because the parentage agreement would have been difficult to pursue, um, after he was born. Okay. So, um, yeah. And then at that point, um, things were sent, you know, collected, sent over to the judge And at first we were told it was going to be this, okay, you send the papers to the judge and then you don't, you're not going to have to appear. Hmm. Um, We got um, the most unfortunate uh, opportunity to be asked to appear. Okay. Which, yeah. And by that point, because again, legal system is slow, our child had been born. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we, and all three of us, I mean, we, um, my partner is a stay-at-home dad, so he's our primary caregiver for our son. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like, we aren't going to have child care. We have to go to this court thing with our newborn child. And it, it was this, yeah, it was a whole, and one of my, and my, um, my female partner had gone through a lot of legal stuff as a child as well. So she had a lot of trauma involved in that. So oh. appearing in court not great, honestly. So there was just with with the newborn and sitting there, you know, and so, and then, but we did end up getting from that, getting the parentage agreement, but because Mm -hmm. it had occurred postpartum, um, we had to get the birth certificates anyway, in order to start getting insurance and everything for him. So we're even now in the process of actually getting the parentage agreement to the state to um, change so that all three parents. So legally we have the parentage rights, but now Uh we're just communicating it between the branches of the government. Cause so, but yeah, so parentage agreement, it's a thing to do, but it was so interesting seeing that in order to get that, you have to have some form of proof that all of us are, actually the argument was, it would be detrimental to the child for not for all three of these parents to not be on the on the on the birth certificate. Yeah. Isn't that 
just yeah. fascinating. But you're, and you're still in the process of this, getting getting all three names yes. on the birth, yes. birth certificate. Yes. But Having that's, the documentation that you this... have. Yeah. It's just logistics yeah. at this point. Yeah. 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 And that's just, well, that's just new parent life and having God. a lot of trouble to go to notaries and gather a bunch, sign a bunch of dots. It's hard managing yeah. three people and a child, you know? So yes. it's a... Yeah, but the legal right is there and it um I mean it was a hard process, but I'd say in the grand scheme of things, I'm really, really glad that we went through it as early as we did. And I would advise everyone, if that's the route that you want to pursue from conception, get to the point of, you know, really feeling like you have the viability of yeah. the pregnancy and then get that started. Um, because it's it took a long time. I was yeah. really surprised. Was the decision to move in altogether made because that was kind of easier with like, hey, we are all going to parent together. We want legal custody altogether. Was it like one before the other? Did it just happen at the same time? And it was easier. Would so it have happened it, anyway it, if you if you didn't even all want legal custody? So in the initial plan, actually, in our conversations were was to continue to live separately um that was the initial plan um but as the pregnancy went on both partners really wanted to kind of support me through that process and we're having a hard time not feeling connected and and you know participating in that and then you know as we kept having discussions you know we were concerned about whether it would be you know, viable for a newborn, um, to have parents living in separate locations. I, I, you know, no judgment if folks choose that, but I think over time, we just kind of realized that we, we wanted to all have, be constantly, you know, accessing yeah. our son. Yeah. So, and I'm sure yeah, that it was there kind are... of a separate decision, but yeah. it, it ended up kind of working well with the legal argument. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Kind of saying, I want more involvement. I want to be more present. What have been some mm -hmm. of the benefits of having three adults raising a child? And what are some of the challenges of three adults raising a child? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Great question. So it's really, really wonderful to constantly have a parent in the home. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very, very rare that we ask for childcare from the baby's grandparents, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, very rare, but it's, I, I always dreamed of having just really a close family unit. And so I think it's so fun seeing our son always know that there's like a parent that's, that's attending him. And that's, that's so special. And he's getting to that stage where he's, you know, really excited to show, um, show things to each parent. So it's really funny. Sometimes he'll be in the bath and he'll, he'll be doing something silly. And then I'll say, mama, mama, dada. And he'll want all three of us to come, you know? So it's, it's just really, it's, it's really special kind of seeing his unique relationship with each of us. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, I, I, um, I don't know. I just, I just have so much joy experiencing how he loves both of my partners as yeah. parents like it's just it's just so special to see so it's just kind of like extra love and extra you know diverse experiences like you know I'm I'm not the like rough and tumble parent that's not my thing and then one of you know 
one of my partners is I'm the outdoorsy, like digging the dirt parent. Yes. So there's, you know, so it's kind of every, every one of us kind of has our things to offer, which is kind of reminds me of polyamory itself. Like with your partners mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, you have a different love for, for each of your partners and yeah. it's kind of similar because a special and, and different kind of love for each parent. So yeah. that, that's really awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the ability to take breaks too, right. You can ask, there's somebody to take care of, you know, mm-hmm. we can, I can go on a, each, uh, each partner has one date night per month. Mm-hmm. So I go on a, a date night with, with each partner per month. And then the other parent watches, watches Quinn and, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's great. And then I guess some of the challenges, I mean, making decisions with three people versus two, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, and already sometimes you're going to have differences in how you want to parent with just two people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's sometimes making those decisions with three people can be challenging, but you know, because we've establish that foundation of we sit down and we we discuss things and you know make agreements and find ways to have those conversations i think that having that experience prior helps yeah um and hopefully now in a crude sense of all your experiences of okay this can get tricky for a minute but we're gonna we're gonna work through it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I imagine yeah, too, so the I mean, questions about school coming up and, you know, he's almost two and then that will, there's just, yeah, there's always parent parental yeah. um, decisions. And I'm sure people can relate, even if you are raising a child with two people, sometimes there are grandparents involved or other people yes. that have opinions that are like, okay, yes. how do we navigate this? So I don't, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate, even if they weren't in a V format or a triad raising kids together. Just like, okay, other adults have opinions that we need to figure out how to work through. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the main challenge. And then, I mean, sometimes in, I'd say the, the main challenges are more in the partnerships rather than the actual parenting, the parent, you know, so it's just kind of when those conflicts arise, it's not necessarily related to the parenting. It's related to the partnerships. So sometimes those, you know, conflicts yep. come up because yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah. <laughs> those conflicts, <Yep. laughs> yeah, those conflicts come up because, okay, there's some sort of dissatisfaction that's or frustration yeah. that's occurring with the partnership. And then that gets, kind of funneled into a different area of your life. And so that's, you know, it's the same way that, you know, when you are having a bad day at work, you know, and then you come home, maybe you take some of those things out on, you know, it's just a process of being human. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not so different than anything else. Yeah. I think it's pretty incredible. This work, I have a feeling there will be more of this going forward. And yes, yeah. Um, anything else that you want to share around your experience on this as you have the Amory audience here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I want to encourage everyone to go back and listen to your podcast with Dr. He Sheshinger, uh-huh. because I was just so grateful to just hear that there is more out there, right? There are more resources out there. So, um, you know, I, I kind of had wished that I had more access to those things. I'm really hoping some of these things start moving more towards the West coast. Cause I'm really noticing a lot of this is occurring on the East coast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like, 
guys, LA, what's happening? <laughs> we're supposed to be like at the forefront of this. But, you know, just I think more um, advocacy. And I think it is tough because of some of the stigma surrounding polyamory still. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think just more showing up with pride that this is who you are mm -hmm. as a person. It's part of your identity. It's completely valid. And I think it's going to be a great step in healing this society, honestly, because yes. it's so broken. And we just, we need to like surround each other with love and just, you know, keep reforming this system, yeah. I would say. So I, I'm really excited for some of these resources becoming available. Um, so I would just su suggest go check out some of the show notes and stuff from, from yeah, that. Actually, I will include those links in this episode mm -hmm. so that people don't have to go back. I mean, yes, go back and listen to it for sure, because yeah. um, yes. he is yes. full of fantastic information. And mm -hmm. those are some like legal groups that you can go to. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give a shout out to um, the uh, my birth center where I gave oh, birth. Yeah. Um, Graceful Birth Center in Los Angeles was wonderful and so supportive of our family structure from the mm -hmm. beginning when I interviewed them. They were just like, yeah, we're on board. They can show up. So, you know, just if you're looking for a... Um, you know, a polyamory, ethical, non-monogamy friendly um, birth center in Los Angeles. That's one that was there for me. Um, awesome. Yeah, I want to invite people guess... too. I mean, because I am still learning where all of these resources are. If anyone has additional resources, message me directly, especially if it's like a directory of places that are friendly with this and understand, um, you know, could be nationwide, send me the info and I will include it in the show notes and just keep adding to this as a, a place yes. for resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think the more empowered you are going into your polyamorous relationship, the more, I mean, you're still going to make mistakes and it's still going to be messy because being human is messy, but <laughs> well said, but I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot more people can find safety because you yeah. make smarter decisions out of safety, right. Than you do out of a trigger. So state. true. So, can I I'm just, we're, there's we're one thing that. too that you didn't mention, but it's like your mindset in all of this, you just took all these steps and you haven't even mentioned that you believed it was possible, but without you believing hmm. that it was possible, you wouldn't have taken actions on it. So do you have anything about your own mindset? Like you just said, empowered, the more empowered you are, the more, the more safe you are, the more you can take action to be the creator of your life. You didn't say it in those words. Mm. Those are mine, but it's, I think it's just the water you swim in that you're, you're just like, whatever, this is what it is. But if I asked mm -hmm. you to identify some beliefs that you have about yourself and this process, mm. because that has been actually the foundation that you've been acting from. Hmm. Um, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, this is I it, it's kind of an innate quality about myself that I, I guess I it's it's true in my in my work. It's true that I just I believe that you are the author of your life. Yeah. Um, I believe that, you know, manifesting something and empowering your something in your own mind makes it more likely to become reality for yourself. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's you know, I, I don't always believe that I'm like the greatest things and, you know, slight bread, but, um, I just, I, I, I try and 
walk through my life believing that things will work for me. Yeah. And that is a fundamental belief. And I think if anybody is confronted with, is this process even possible, that it actually mm -hmm. starts inside. It starts inside each mm -hmm. one of us to mm -hmm. say, I know I'm maybe swimming against the current here, but I believe it's actually possible. So why don't I take a step from that place? And if you're being yeah. held back or feeling not safe, how can you create safety in yourself? Uh, <clears throat> Self-love journey. <laughs> um, how can you create safety within yourself so that you can actually foster and grow some of these beliefs? Like what you just said, it's the water you swim in, it's who you are. But I would say that's why you have the life that you have. It's why you have the partnerships that you have. It's why you are your own, you know, your own business. You know, you, you mm -hmm. are really the driving force in that. And it's mm -hmm. so nice to give you an extra shout out on there and say, I see you. I see you. And it's mm -hmm. really incredible. And I'm so happy mm -hmm. for you to share your story here. I, I think it's nothing short of like groundbreaking. So I hope people get a lot from this episode and are able to believe in the possibility of how they want to parent and bring humans into this world. Yes. And that we can continue yes. to change the structures. Like our legal systems won't change unless we actually advocate, be an advocate, advocate for, for change. And that takes each one of us mm -hmm. owning our story. So those are my mm -hmm. final words. Do you have final words, Jackie? Oh, well, I just, I want to, I want to affirm that, you know, we talked right now about, about that kind of mindset, but also if you a hundred percent are not in that mindset, that that's just continue to lean on your support systems. Right. And that support system can be therapists, can be your chosen family, your actual family, Amory listeners community. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, LGBTQ plus community is just an amazing resource. If you're part of that community as well. Um, there's, there's so many amazing support systems out there and you're not alone and you're not bad or wrong or broken. You're just a human being <laughs> and living your beautiful human being life. And it is a story of ebb and flow. And I'm just like, I'm so grateful to have gotten to this point in my life to see it that way, instead of seeing myself as, you know, just this icky thing, mm. right? That, and I just, I just, I want to send that, that love that I've worked through for myself. I want to send that out to other people who maybe aren't there yet, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, it's just, it's, it's just been such a gift to work through this part of myself and to see, you know, other people working through that. It's just really special. So I'm just, I'm so thankful for the work you do, Megan, and um, other people who do things for this community. Yeah. So it takes shine yeah, on. Yeah, it takes a lot of us, right? And thank you for sharing your story and your progression. Um, yeah, I'm so, so thankful. I will add, are you okay sharing any kind of contact information in the show notes or how, if people sure. have yeah, you questions? Have to, yeah, I'm... I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. No, no. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I, you can follow my personal Instagram account, genuinely Jackied. Um, if you feel free to reach out with any, um, questions you may have about our conversations here, if you are interested in a poly person teaching you music lessons, particularly voice lessons that are trauma informed and, you know, just really positive, um, and, 
I, yeah, if you're interested in mm-hmm. that, you can reach out to my personal account and um, I will kind of move you into my my professional account because that's not quite out yeah. yet. Well, I appreciate the separation in that. And thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful for your spirit, your energy, all this information that you shared and reconnecting with you this way. It's been so fun to see you in these different stages Seriously. of your own journey as a human. So I love you so much. Aww. Thanks, Jackie. Love. Thank you. Bye. Bye.